Hey guys, welcome back to Pushing Through Blue, an interview podcast sharing stories of people's experiences with mental health in an effort to bring awareness, help others start conversations and fight the stigma surrounding mental health. We're back with another side note episode. So let's kick it off by me saying this. I consider myself as a casual gamer. I say casual because in between full-time work, living married dad life, running around with my two young kids, three and six, my available time like many others is somewhat limited and reduced over the recent years, but I still love playing video games. Last year I was introduced to a little independent or indie game called Celeste. For those listeners who haven't heard of the game Celeste, it's a single player 2D pixel art platformer made by Canadian video game developers Matt Thorson and Noel Berry from Matt Makes Games. Released back in January 2018 across most gaming platforms including Microsoft Windows, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Winner of so many awards including the Game Awards 2018 for Games for Impact and Best Independent Game. The game received universal acclaim from critics being reviewed as a 10 out of 10 game by IGN and given a Metascore of 92% from Metacritic. By the end of 2018, the game had sold over 500,000 copies, no physical copies or digital download. Not bad for a little indie game, right? But this game is so unique and its story has resonated and connected with so many people. It's a video game that beautifully portrays powerful themes of mental health through a heartfelt story that tackles self-doubt, anxiety, depression and climbing mountains, both literally and metaphorically. There are so many great things about this game that I wanted to point out and unpack on a podcast, on this podcast. But in doing this, I also wanted to get the perspective of someone else who had played the game and deep dive into the game's story experiences, unbox some of the metaphors woven into the story to talk about and the spotlight that this game casts over mental health subjects and some of the takeaway life lessons this game delivers to its players through the story experience. I want to take the opportunity now to introduce my guest, to many of the listeners and to those who know him quite well in the community, my guest should be of no surprise whatsoever. Co-host of popular podcasts including Dash Culture and the recently launched Some Assembly Required, renowned PlayStation trophy hunter and all-round good bloke, Mr. Buddy Watson. How are you going, mate? Good, Dane. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. I, I you know... For me, you know, you my love for Celeste. Uh, uh, the rumor is that if you look into a mirror and you say Celeste three times into a mirror, I just appear. So um, that's that's what you happened. are. Hundred percent that, here. right, man? I don't know how many times you said it back in two thousand eighteen, but um, I knew straight away that you are the man for this for this <laughs> podcast episode. Um, you you share the same passion for for Celeste that I do, even more so, mate. So thank you so much for coming on. No worries, man. It's good to be here. Awesome. Hey, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, jump into two areas that we'll go through with this podcast. So I guess when talking about Celeste, I might go into break it down with a a spoiler-free area. So we'll have a bit of a chat about some topics there. And then I guess for the listeners that haven't played the game yet, towards the end of the podcast, maybe I'll just go into a bit of spoiler territory there, but we'll give you a bit of a heads up. To start off with, I just wanted to give a bit of an overview with regards to the actual story of the Celeste game. The basics of the story, if you were to ever look on Steam or, you know, if you jumped online and wanted to look at the description of the game on one of the online stores, the description of the game reads like this. Help Madeline survive her inner demons on her journey to the top of Celeste Mountain in this super tight platformer from the creators of Towerfall. Brace hundreds of handcrafted challenges, uncover devious secrets, and piece together the mystery of the mountain. So look, that's in a nutshell the elevator pitch for it. So like expanding out a little bit beyond that for someone that's played it without going into spoiler territory, 
I look at it like this. So you play as this young woman named Madeline, where the story begins with you reaching the base of the mountain, Celeste Mountain. You're there to climb the mountain, partially because it's something Madeline wants to prove to herself it's something that she can do, but also with the view that climbing the mountain will provide her with reborn strength to overcome her inner demons. Your objective in the game is to reach the peak of the mountain. But this mountain isn't any ordinary mountain, and climbing it is a far cry from an easy feat to accomplish. It's challenging. It's constantly testing your abilities to think quick and react even quicker. But at the same time, it proves super rewarding on so many levels. Playing through the story, there are a lot of powerful moments and metaphors that focus on mental health and overcoming personal struggle that made this game so different to any others that I'd played and extremely heartfelt and to many players, very relatable. The story provides a powerful insight to the inner struggles of living with self-doubt and anxiety and depression, whilst at the same time offers an inspiring success story of climbing mountains and learning to live and managing one's own mental health. Along the way, you meet a number of unique characters on your journey up the mountain, and I think that's a huge part of this game. I love the characters in this, and we'll talk about those characters uh, later on in the podcast episode. Some of these characters prove to be the pillars of support for you as Madeline, but also some of them prove to be challenging, and they are definitely the roadblocks from you getting to the peak. And I guess from that point of view, that's a bit of an expansion without going into too much detail. Anything you can... I missed out on there. You want no, to add much, into that one? You pretty much nailed it, man. Um, cool. And in a, in a way that probably, I guess, doesn't give too much away. So, yeah, very good. Ah, cool. I don't want to give too much away, but um, and I'll dive into that a little bit later. So, I, I guess now that we know a little basic about the story overview, so I want to break it down and, and just hear about, like, I guess, how did you first come across the game? Yeah, and how did you find it? Well, for me, it all came down to the January 2018 um, Nindies Direct, I think it was where they first, I first saw the Celeste trailer, and uh, I think it was January 12th, and they had the uh, announced release date, January 25th, um, across all the platforms. And for someone like me, I already kind of love indie games and kind of that pixel art style, um, but I'd already played Tower 4, which is yeah. Matt Max Games' previous previous game. Yep. Um, so when I saw that he's, first of all, the trailer appealed to me, but then seeing his name, or that, that studio as the, de- the developer's, um and maybe even get more excited for it so that's kind of how it became on my radar yeah awesome the way i sort of found it is that i I didn't unlike you i didn't i didn't know it was coming out i had no idea about any of the other games that was come across i was actually listening to um what are the other gaming podcasts uh in the community uh reset so shout out to uh michael and tegan over there at reset and, and they had just played it and it had just come out. So um, it was back in January uh, last year. And um, they were just talking about how tight this platform was. And, and they gave sort of similarities to saying, look, if you played something like uh, Super Meat Boy, it was similar to that in the way of the gameplay. So I'm a huge fan of anything sort of like old school 2D pixel art type games. And so I jumped onto it, but I had no idea that sort of story that, that it had. And I guess that was an advantage i'd say i don't know so like i i sort of went in there with blind eyes and it was just like went in there and it was something that i was just like wow had no idea it would be this depth of a story um Mm. so i was really so it was really good and i guess um uh just leaning onto that there i played i played it on the nintendo switch yep and i thought that was fantastic so i I love the fact that it was it was one game that i could just because as soon as i started playing it I just couldn't put it down. Like I was just at this game. And the more that I dived into the story, the more I was just like, oh, I've got to keep playing, got to keep playing. And it's one of those games that is is so challenging, but yet so rewarding at the same time. So 
Yeah. I guess for you, so where did you play it on? What platform? Or? So I played it on PlayStation 4 just because that's my preferred platform. Um, plus, like you alluded to before, the trophy hunter in me yep. knew that it had a platinum trophy. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, uh, I might go for this one here and maybe it'll prolong the life of the game and, and give me more things to uh, accomplish and kind of give me more reasons to play it and do different challenges and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, I what you were saying before about the advantage of going in and not knowing the story, I also had that as well. So despite seeing the trailer and kind of knowing what the game had, um, the game's like Towerfall he'd done previously, yeah. I didn't know how deep the story was going to get and that kind okay. of got me a lot by surprise yeah. as well. Yeah. So I guess that, so it's more like the mechanics, you sort of saw the trailer and thought, okay, I get it. Sort of know the previously, like sort of what mechanics I might be involved in this game and what I'm expecting, but you had no idea about the story. Yeah. Apparently they kept the story pretty tight knit. They didn't really give out much, I guess, when they were putting out the trailers and, and diving into it too much. No, I didn't think they allude, really alluded to it kind of being a link to, um, I guess, mental health or anything like that at no. all. Um, yeah, like you said before, I just saw the mechanics. I know the history of the Towerfall and how well that yep. played. And, and I played through that campaign, even though it's predominantly um, a multiplayer game. Um, but to see them and, and hear them do this, uh, like it was almost for me, it was like, oh, wow, this is going to be Towerfall, with, as a, but a single-player yep. game with a story. I'm like, this is going to be yeah, really cool. Yeah, very cool. Just moving on to the difficulty, and I, and I t- sort of touched on this. It is, it is one of these games, these super tight platformers where... It is so challenging at times, but it's so equally rewarding when you get it. I mean, like the controls are simple in a way where it's, you know, just jump, dash, your climb functions. And then obviously along the way, you know, certain mechanics sort of uh, reveal themselves the more you dive deeper into the game. And obviously there's the environmental aspects that you take into it, into account. A lot of puzzles in relation to that. But yeah, the levels, they're like even the levels are just so well crafted you know, full of these challenging puzzles and hidden secrets. And, um, but I guess it's one of those games too, where it's, it's just like, be prepared that, you know, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die a lot. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah. and it's one of these ridiculous. <laughs> and um, it's actually one of these games that kind of, you know, the die, but keep going and, and tr- keep trying again. It's like woven into the narrative yeah. as well and like not, not giving up. Yeah. So there, that's a really cool dynamic in it. And like we said before about having no problems with the Nintendo Switch, did you play with your Joy-Cons in handheld mode or did you use a different controller or pro controller or anything Yeah, see, like this that? is really interesting because I, I, so I played it with the Joy-Cons, but I played with, with the Joy-Cons connected to the console. Yep. So I was always, you know, playing always in my face, just with the Switch, just with the Joy-Cons connected. And I was always like that. So whether it's sitting on the couch playing it like that, because... To be honest, when I had the when I bought the Switch, it was only until recently when I bought the Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu that I actually docked it. So it had been I'd had it for ages before I even actually docked the Switch. Yeah, well. So I was playing it just with the just just in console mode yeah. um, in my hands, and and it was only up until recently so when I played it through again in in lead up to this podcast that I actually I bought Super Smash Bros. and I had the Pro Controller. And I thought, you know what, I'll, it, like it just makes sense to me. It'll be better or i have more control and you know what i found that when i started playing through and i'm sitting here with the controller and yeah it was nice just to lean back and you know have the the, i didn't even still have a docked i just had the the switch up on my desk and i'd just be sitting there with the pro controller Mm -hmm. i sort of felt like maybe not a delay but i just felt like i had more reaction time in playing it with the joy cons connected so like i was i was quickly to, to put it back in and i just felt like that was just my 
the go-to sort of thing. It's like, you know, when you get to a, uh, I guess there's that, you know, the always the meme where, you know, you're sitting there relaxing, you know, laid back, you're playing a game. And when you get to a point there where, you know, you get to a difficulty level, all of a sudden your body sort of hunches <laughs> forward and you get back into, you know, okay, like let's get into the mode here. Yeah. I was doing the same thing. So um, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting that. And I, I wonder if that's the same for other people or if that's just me, I'm not sure. It's weird. It's weird you say that because I was always worried about like how precision, mm. how much precision you need for the movements in Celeste. So of course, the eight eight directions and how you dash and having to dash and change directions quite quickly on the fly. And I was always worried that there was no D pad on on the switch. Yeah, um, yeah. And, how that and I never used I never used the D pad. I did try the D pad on the Pro Controller, but quickly changed over because it was just something more familiar with regards to the um, the Joy Con controllers. Yep. But yeah, the stick controller was where I went back to. So yeah, I would have thought the other way, but it wasn't. So yeah, it's it's I don't know what it is. it's weird. I used the analogs through the entire game, but there was a few moments where I got stuck and kept dying, yep. and I felt like it was that analog controller. And then I swapped to actually using the D pad for some areas where I yeah. needed to be a bit more precise. Yeah. And I found that I got through those sections with the D pad. But then I was like, oh, I'll just play with the D pad for the rest of the game. But then it didn't didn't transition for that those moments i was like oh this is yeah bizarre. okay <laughs> so yeah yeah and it, and it really is it's like those those moments there where you're just like you might be you might be just coasting your way through these levels and you're thinking yeah i got this i got this and you come up with some challenges but then you get to a point there where you just cannot break through your, your reaction time is not quick enough or you know how to do it you can see you can see the writing there so they've got to go from here to here to here in certain times but you just can't get this controller or your hands to go at the speed that you need to and then you do you do find that you start changing the way that you do things, like whether using the analog or the D-pads or anything like that, or even just going back and changing, like on the Switch perspective, going back from the Pro Controller to the, to the Joy-Cons. But um, it's one of those games where you just, you know, you think, you know, am I doing this right? You know, should I change this? Should I change that? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes you're just playing too late at night and you wake up <laughs> the next morning and you've had about 200 deaths that night and you're just going, I'll just forget it. I've, let, I'm, I've given this thing up. Yeah. And then you go the next morning, you pick it up and you've done it and you just... How, how? How? Exactly. But um, well, how much of that was mental for me? <laughs> oh, there's just so much. Or even just like puzzles. You'd be sitting there just going, "How do I do this? It shouldn't be this hard." I don't want to. And I was, I was one of those ones where I was like, "I don't want to YouTube this. Not yet. I'm not that that point yet." Yep. And um, and like you just walk away. And sometimes you just walk away. You, you get your rage. You, you do your rage quits. You walk <laughs> away. But you have to, and you come back to it, and you're like. There it is, or you know, you just see something. You're just like far out. I didn't see it. Just that. clicks. I guess from a difficulty perspective, it has so many elements to it because trying to coast on that um, spoiler-free mode. But so you've got the story mode that you can play through. So on top of that, you've got these strawberries. So the strawberries are all throughout the levels. I think there's about maybe 20 in every level. Yep. Some of them are very easy to get. Some are very difficult to get. They serve no purpose in the fact that, you know, you collecting them, it's not going to, you know, unlock something amazing. But then again, I have heard of a golden strawberry, I think, if you collect them all. Uh, I have heard of golden strawberry, but I... I don't know about that. I think it's about not dying and maybe collecting them. Yeah, okay. Or something okay, like so that. it might not be the fact that you've got to collect all these strawberries. Yeah. Have you collected all the strawberries? I've got all the strawberries. I've got everything. But, okay. Um, I think the okay. golden strawberry is about not dying and collecting them and finishing the level and finishing the game or something like that. Wow. Okay. Um, That's extremely yeah, difficult. Yeah, I think it might be more for like, I don't want to say the show-offs, but like, uh, wow, now this is my next goal. You know, kind of how people like 
can I get through Zelda with three hearts and not get anything? Yeah. Those, those kind of things. Like, yeah. Almost like you're challenging yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes yeah. complete sense for the game like Celeste and its narrative. Oh, as soon as I... One of the things that I did when I finished this game is I knew somewhere out there that, that people would be uh, speedrunning this game. Oh. And I just... And I thought... This would be like the most insane thing to speedrun and to watch now that you've like played the, the standard basic story mode, gone through from left to right and thinking like, okay, it's taken me hours and hours to do this. I've died so many times I can't count, even though it gives you count at the end. Like, how is someone doing <laughs> this super fast? And then you watch it. And I think I, you know, t- today, early this morning, I jumped on. Obviously, the speedruns are changing. The records are changing every time. I think someone completed this. The early, the, the quickest time I saw was 28 minutes and That's 37 ridiculous. seconds. But to see it is insane. And it's just like... How are you not cheating? This this mm. doesn't look right. But they're not, as far as I'm aware. And but and then like even down the bottom there, they've got like if they're playing on the Xbox, you know what what uh, buttons they're pushing at certain times. So you're thinking, oh, you know, far out. They're actually bloody doing this, and this is insane. But um, mm. but yeah, it's it's one of those games that you play the story mode, and then you can go and collect the strawberries, and then the next level there is the cassettes. Do you want to have a bit of a talk about that? Because I know you're probably all over that a little bit more than myself. Yeah, so the cassettes, um, each level has one of those and unlocking the cassette or, or getting the cassette in each level um, is kind of an optional thing, but getting the cassette unlocks uh, a B-side to the level yep. and the B-sides are obviously um, a remixed portion uh, of, of a said level um, with different kind of rooms and, and challenges to get through. The B-sides are actually... Um, quite long um, compared to what the seasides are, which is a uh, you know, okay. which is something you get the next, yeah, level. which is something you get when you beat a B side. So you beat okay. all the B sides, then you get the seasides for each level as yeah. well. Um, the seasides are much harder, but you know there might be four rooms, whereas the B sides okay. are, are difficult. But then there might be 10, 15 screens that you have to go through or something like that without dying. So far, yeah, out. okay. Um, so every chapter, like every level. Yep. There's a there's a there's a B side. Yes. And then they're sort of hidden in like hidden rooms or you've got to do certain things to get them. Yep. And then once you do the B sides, then it opens up, which is more difficult than the A side. Yep. Which is just your standard. And then that once you finish the B side, then you've got access to a C side, and the C side's longer and even more difficult. Ah, uh, so C side's shorter but much more difficult. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so where are you positioned on this? Because my position on this is that I finish a story and I'm working on these B sides. Yep. But it's hard. And when you get into these B-sides, it's I've gotten to points there, and I think I'm definitely at one now where I've just I've hit a wall. I don't know how to do it. And I've sat there. My death count is just ridiculous <laughs> on this one point. And it's almost like to the point there where I know how to do it. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's, it very much becomes that. You know how to do it, um, and but you're, you miss one jump. And then yeah. say it's the hardest jump or the hardest little portion of that B-side that you become yeah. obsessed with that you can't hit but then it'll, it's almost like well okay cool i'll get there and i'll give it another crack but then you start making mistakes on on areas leading up to that that you wouldn't make before because you're rushing and all of a sudden you're not getting yeah. in this kind of flow state that you should be the whole time got it yeah but for me I, yeah so i finished all the b-sides finished all the c-sides i became really like quite obsessed with it um and kind yeah, of like okay. what you were saying when you're playing i couldn't really put it down and when i did ha- I, it was because i had to and i d- spent two hours on a b-side and you know i was like mentally drained or pulling my hair out and just you know frustrated i was like i might have to go to sleep here or have a break and then like you said you come back the next day and your second try you get it or something like that it's like how does that 
Just needed that yeah. rest. And that's and that, that's what this game is full of. It is like just these moments where it's just so challenging. And depending on like, you know, how you're feeling at the moment or, you know, whatever time you're playing it or you're just like whether you just can't do it or you can't work it out. There's the puzzle aspect to it. That's the really interesting thing about this game as well. And like you've got this puzzle aspect to work out, okay, how do I do it? And then once you work out how you do it, you're like, well, I've actually got to do it, which takes the skill in both elements yeah. there. So you a bit of more of a completionist? Do you find you're a completionist with games? Abs- or do you... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, you would be. With the trophies, the, the yeah. Platinum King. Yep. Like, what I found is that, like, I was so driven by the story. Like, I was just like, I just got to keep pushing forward. And, like, once I once I finished the story, it was like, this is amazing. And I'm so, like, so happy and grateful to find this game. And then when it started saying, oh, you know, next level um, of these challenges, I was sort of like, at first I was like, nah, I'm cool. Like, I've just digested all this story. Unless there's, like, an extra story bit, and there might be that's where the motivation will come through but I'm, I'm super keen to just keep just keep playing through this game get to the b get to the c yep. i guess the next level there on difficulty as well is these these crystals so i guess once you finish the game you've got to go and, and find these four crystals which you know unlocks a extra level what's the last level yes yeah not giving too much away there so th- there's there's just those points there there's just there's all these different levels of difficulty so um, for someone that w- just wants to come in experience the story it's there yeah and that's challenging enough and then if you are a completionist like yourself and you know just want to keep challenging yourself and, and and just deep dive into this game there's that too so it's got so many levels on that side mm. of things so it's it's awesome and the way they do it's quite smart as well because you know they could just throw that kind of stuff in there and it could be just kind of fluff like some games the collectibles are there's just too many they're too easy to get um whereas i think mm. there's a great balance with these collectibles there even with the strawberries the cassettes the hearts there's enough incentive to go oh can i get this and kind of still be on on the on the on the path like i feel like yeah when i played spider-man recently there was just too many like there's too many collectibles and they kind of really meant nothing yeah the strawberries meant nothing but at least there's a little puzzle that i had to solve to get it and was solving the puzzle that was the the i guess not the addiction but the the fun part like oh yeah i solved it yeah i got the strawberry but Solving the, the puzzle and, and that, that frame was the, the excitement of completing that. As opposed to like you as Spider-Man chasing those backpacks. That's right, yeah. Cool. I, I got there and I just... To find these <laughs> that's right. I got there and I just pressed triangle and got it. There was no real puzzle. Yep, yep. But I hear what you're saying. You've got it. Like there's a there's that challenge there that pushes yourself to actually like have fun getting these strawberries or, or like you know the the B side tapes, C side tapes. So yep. that's that's an awesome part of it as well. And I guess the other you know the other aspects to talk about this game that make it so good is the um, the pixel art. Oh wow! So the the pixel art's incredible. Like it's just insane. It's so beautiful. There's just like even just playing it through again. Like the first time you play it and you're just like holy crap this thing is gorgeous yeah like how do they do this Mm -hmm. on on this pixel art like i know people they focus on pixel art if pixel art is their go-to if that's their you know if that is their absolute talent and that's what they hone in on they are amazing at it these guys are incredible and there's certainly areas there in the game that i was just looking at like you know waterfalls and and like there's this the northern lights towards the end of the game when you you know close towards the top of the top of the mountain and you're just sitting there you're just like fire out this it's just a, a gorgeous gorgeous looking game and i think one of one of my favorites for anyone that's either played it or was going to play it chapter four i forget the name of the chapter at the moment but it's the one with all the wind and there's just this big focus on the scenery to it so it's like that sunset type background with the rainfall and the waterfalls yeah. and 
Um, you just sort of just get to points there where it's just got the grass flowing and the rivers and that. You're just like, oh, this is this is next level. Like if people sit there and looking at like you know Red Dead and, and thinking, look at look look at this sort of background here, or um, Horizon Zero Dawn, they're just looking at these amazing games and thinking like the scenery is amazing. Like just take a moment to look it in. I, I got that from this game yeah just just on with, with that side of things definitely and the way they did it with that chapter four um golden ridge is what you've got here oh okay cool um the way they did that as well uh because of the wind it felt like you were actually making progress up the mountain which is i think is yeah. like a, a smart way to kind of convey that you're actually making progress and yep. the way they yep. use the wind as like a gameplay mechanic and you having to like time your jumps better or using the wind to get to certain areas and then using dashes later but using that as a tool i thought was really smart mm. as well without kind of giving you extra abilities it's almost like the the level acted as that extra ability and and, the, and a lot of the levels do that as well with some of their um mechanics too yeah and i love that about that game like yeah they give you these extra i guess functions or mechanics within yourself that you as the player can use and you grow and develop into that but they really take advantage of the environment and like so you're just looking at this environment that's stunning anyway but then you're finding you know you've got to utilize certain things and you've got to realize that you know certain textures can do certain things as well some can grip some can move it's insanely good so i guess from a pixel art perspective it's amazing and i haven't really seen or can compare it to anything that has looked that good i guess yeah obviously towerfall had similar kind of art style as well but i guess celeste mm. kind of adds to it and it's like like you say a lot more diverse with you know there's levels that are just completely dark and bleak and dungeon like and yeah. then like you said you got the yep. the wind level it's got the you got these purples and pinks and you get your yeah. waterfalls so it's like it feels like you're in a different world even though you're supposed yep. to be on the same yep. part of the mountain and kind of adds to the like the mountain's mystique yeah that's right that's mystique yeah and and even like the way that everything sort of comes together and like the colors and that the game's got a tone and the tone keeps changing throughout the game and that's you as the player you get the full experience so not only have you got your story uh, you've got the mechanics driving you through but like just to have that art style and just to have how it, it constantly changes so you know if if the game's getting bleak and a bit dark you know the scenery moves with that if um, you're making progress and you're moving up into the mountain your backdrop will reflect that it becomes lighter it becomes more encouraging yep. it's those things that it's until you look back when you start playing it, you, you realize, like, you see yourself getting motivated, like, oh, this is a dark area, you know, be mindful and, you know, be more cautious and things like that. And then when, when you get through these parts and you see that, you know, Madeline as a player is making progress, not only with the mountain, but herself, with her inner demons, you sort of, you become so emotionally invested in her and you're sort of just going like, yeah, look, we can do this and let's push forward. And you get motivated to, to keep going, keep going. Yep. And I guess what really works really well in conjunction with that, and I think, this, so many people are connected on this point of view is the soundtrack mm. so lena rain she's a electronic artist and video game composer and producer so she did the soundtrack for celeste and it is amazing to the point there where i mean like she's obviously gone out and released the vinyl and she's released you know you can jump on itunes and you can download the full soundtrack and um i've done it i'm a massive fan i, I love to have it on in the background when i'm at work and and or, or wherever and it's just like it is so good with the storytelling of this game highs and lows and the piano and the, the electronics it's it's so good so good yep it is my favorite soundtrack of the year. gaming or movie related i think um, oh is it yeah of, of the movies yeah as well? for sure um yeah yeah stuff it i'm throwing that out there <laughs> yeah yeah perfect. Um, yeah i know that's good my two favorite tracks offered a resurrection and awake yep. and probably resurrection is the one i go to the most just because how yeah. well it builds 
Uh, it's yeah. real soft at the start. Um, and then as like it's almost like I can imagine myself playing the game and when things pick up and the up-tempo of the, 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 the song um, towards the end of it, even to the point where I played in my car, and Kim's like, what is this? What is this? I'm like, oh, it's yeah. the soundtrack to Celeste. And she's like, oh, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Um, and I know Dylan Blight from Explosion Network, like he didn't get to play the game until later on in the year for his uh, Game of the Year watch, but um, he was mm. listening to the soundtrack way before he'd ever played the game. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So that, that'd be an interesting perspective, just to have it on in the background, not knowing the story or anything like that, and just to, just to hear someone's perspective to say, yeah, this is, you know, this is cool. Because like, the way the soundtrack you know, obviously unfolds is with the game. And it, it, it starts off just that, you know, like you're, you're off on an adventure, you know, like the Hobbit type bit, you know, it's slow and steady, let's go. Yep. And and then, you know, you get your darks and your highs and your lows and, and like towards the end, it's just like that we're getting there, we're doing this, we're reaching the goal, you know, type thing. So um, it, it takes you on a journey, just like this, you know, obviously just like the story. Yep. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crafted so well, like it's, oh, everything, everything complements each other. Yeah. And it's interesting, like... Like everything just forms so well into this game. Like everything just complements each other. Everything is so well balanced. The tones of everything, like and, and especially the music, just with the storytelling, it's respectful in the times where there, you know, there are the talks of the mental health and the um, panic attacks, and and how she's able to capture those moments and really resonate with people to say like, hey, this is happening. Like you say, okay, this is a scene where uh, Madeline is going to have a panic attack. Like what sort of you know music would you put as a backdrop to this, to this happening, like to the lead up to it actually happening, to, to you, you know, moving forward from that and, and her coming down from that. It's just so well done. Yep. And it, it definitely adds on to the emotional experience for the player. Yep. As a player, it's one of those ones where you just want to see like how, how it goes. Like you start playing and it's, I'm off like I'm off on this adventure. Even like the the um the the first track there, where you know for, for anyone that's played it, and it's not too spoiler. I mean like she's at the, at the base of the mountain and she's just running straight across this old rickety bridge and the bridge oh. falls down and and it's like just as soon as you hear that track, like for someone that's played it, um you know for, you you know what's coming and it's just like it's all good, it's all good. And then it's just like the heart, just the race and the adrenaline keeps going, go 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 go. And then it's just like this leap that she does and then just the music just turns off and that's when you learn the dash and that the bloody crow that's everywhere. <laughs> but um, it's it is so, so well done that tones it's great. So like I'm a, got it off iTunes and I'd love to get the vinyl. There's been so many times that I've just been on eBay just going I've I've got to buy this. Mm. I've got to find it. I was so close to buying it just recently on that um, limited run. Yep, I had it in the basket and everything. And um, I think I was a bit too focused on trying to get those physical copies. So um, of which <laughs> I didn't get the Nintendo one, which I was bummed about. I got the PlayStation one, but I'm still happy I, I got something. Yeah, nice. So, I'm, I can't wait till that comes through. Give you incentive to replay it and go get those trophies. Yeah, so, and there's the thing, but so I'll get that perspective of the PlayStation side of things as well. So I'm keen to have a go at that. Yeah, and the, the trophies, that's right. So I'll, I'll jump <laughs> onto it. Moving on from the soundtrack, I'd like to jump in now into the spoiler territory and, um, yep. and look at some of the moments in the game that really stood out to us when playing the game. So I guess for any listeners out there that haven't played the game, that are sort of at a point there where they're like, they don't want to learn too much, you maybe want to switch off. And I, I, like from, from my point of view, I'm not going to tell you the ending, but it's more so just about we might go into territory here you want to not want to listen to. So be mindful, you've been warned. Yeah, and for those that haven't played it, it's, it's on games with gold at the moment as well. Yeah, it is. Absolutely for January. Right. So if you're still listening to this in January, you can go back and, and play that um, for free if you've got games with gold or Xbox Live. So Yeah, jump on that. I haven't got an Xbox, so I really need to... That would have been nice, but uh, I've got the I've got the um, got the Switch version of that, but that's good to know. I don't know how much it is now on Switch. Is this still around about $20? 
no idea. Can't be that expensive, surely. But either way, you got to go get it. So it's, it's worth it. Good. Worth it at full price. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I guess I've got three points here, or three scenes in in the story that I wanted to have a bit of a unbox about. And I guess the first one there dives into one of the main characters in the game. You immediately fall in love with this character. So his name's Theo. So I guess <laughs> Theo pops up in chapter one in the Forsaken City, and it's like even just the soundtrack to it. Love it. I love the fact that as soon as you start hearing that soundtrack with just like the, the guitar, the acoustic guitar, you know it's like it goes from this point there where you know you you struggle you're going through the mountain, you're struggling to, you know, trying to just break through, get higher and higher, and then like you just come across this just nice relaxed scene with this this guitar playing and you come across this guy that's sitting there next to a fire, next to his little tent, and you meet Theo. So Theo's this other climber that's on the mountain that Madeline runs into on just in the first chapter there and they and she introduces herself and she's a bit standoffish at the start and um, he's just this you know easygoing guy almost comes across as like a bit of a big brother type figure and definitely has a different perspective on life than um, yep. Madeline does which is, is so good with the storytelling of this game like you've got Madeline who's you know she's got a lot of self-doubt she goes through the anxiety which obviously moves on to the depression for herself and that's the tones in that one there and then you've got Theo so Theo's this laid-back character also you find out that has a sister that has similar tendencies as Madeline so Theo like straight away resonates with Madeline um, yep. And he's out there climbing this mountain for the fact that he's sort of trying to find himself as well. That and he's just taking photos for his Instagram, which they call, um, what is it? It's it's Instapix. Instapix. So it's Instapix, <laughs> a bit of a nod to Instagram there. So yeah, that was um, funny. he hails from the uh, far off land of Seattle. But yeah, so like he's just this character that you meet at the start and he is constantly the pillar, I guess, of strength for Madeline. He is popping up all the way through the game at the start he's just running his own race with celeste he's got no tendency or he's got no um, goal of climbing the mountain to the peak he's just wants to get to a certain point take some amazing photos and just experience and, and get lost and find himself uh, similar to what madeline wants to do but she wants to um, grow and, and and build her uh, inner strength yeah but I guess what I really find fantastic about Theo, apart from him supporting um, Madeline, is that he just seems to sort of resonate within the game, a bit of a takeaway of like how a friend can be to someone like Madeline. He takes on yep. this point there where he's, he's non-judgmental, always supports Madeline, and just reflects like what a good friend may look like for someone that's going through, you know, struggling through mental health challenges and and depression and anxiety he's always there to support her reinforces madeline's strengths and and certainly doesn't make her feel inferior in any whatsoever way has open conversations with her it's just there and so he, like he's you're playing through the game and you know you're challenging yourself and you're challenging the, the mountain and he just seems to pop up at the right times and like as soon as you start mm. hearing that guitar intro where you're like theo you know he's he's there he's close you know whether he's He's sitting by a campfire or he's falling off a cliff and he's, you know, stumbling his way to you because he's catching up to you type bit. Like, he just gives you this immediate release. Like, oh, it's okay, just relax, you know, Theo's here. Let's, let's just, you know, enjoy this moment type bit. Um, yep. what, do you, what do you think about, what do you think about Theo? Yeah, and, and he pops up at the right time is something cool you said as well because when you get to him, um, it's not like a, it's not like an exposition dump or it's not like this, all this, dialogue dump because it kind of does it in steps mm. so you can talk to him you can not talk to him sometimes you can't even you can yeah, just bypass him in a level altogether yep. so it's, he's really like an optional thing mm. um, that you can bypass if you just 
trying to, I guess, doing the speed run or, mm. or just not exploring everything. Yep. Um, so the cool thing there is, you know, you exhaust your dial, you can talk to him, but then it, the conversation ends and you're like, well, you know, some games you're like, do I talk to him again? And then I get the same conversation and yeah. uh, that's what's happened. Then I leave, yep. but it keeps going and you yeah. can actually find yourself almost talking back and forth and having this interaction with him for a good five, 10 minutes. And, and like you said before, he pops up at the right time. It's almost like a break for yourself from mm. the game. Mm. And maybe like a refresh for yourself. Yeah. That's, um, and that's a really good point. Like to, to the think that where you don't actually have to talk to him. Like he's there. And like, I guess when you're playing the game, you can see him in the corner. Like, so there's, you can see he's there and you can be like, oh, okay, who's that? I'll go explore. Or you could not. Like you don't have to talk to him. And even when you do talk to him, you don't have to get the full conversation. You can break yep. away at any point in time. You can dive deeper into it. Like he just goes on like and, and has chats with him <laughs> and like you converse with him and it's, and it's great. But like there's a point there you might be just like, you know, he's talking about YOLO and, and you're like, yeah, cool, got <laughs> it. I, I'm good. I'll, I'll see you at the next point where we catch up, you know? So yeah, that's that's a good point as well. So, um, but I think it's, he's definitely a powerful character in the game and, it, and it's, I guess he's definitely the pillar of strength for her and just to keep her like mm. grounded and just to keep her, I guess, mindful about what's going on and give her some perspective. So yeah. there's not too many characters in this game, but uh, he's definitely one. I think there's only about one, two, three, four, five, about five, there's only five characters. Yeah. It's so interesting with these characters because they're all so different and so unique. Yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely a big one there. It's it's weird. We we just said before that he's kind of like a, this character you can bounce off or rely on as a pillar of strength. It's it's another way to look at it as well. I didn't really think about it until kind of now when you kind of said that, you know, he's a bit of a free spirit. And, mm. um, he really hasn't had... He mightn't have come across his problems himself, but he, he said he has through his sister. Yeah. Um, so... There's a way that you can look at that in the sense that he can help Madeline because um, his experiences with his sister as well. And he's just someone that's completely different. Sometimes high-strung people look at carefree people and like, how can you be like that? And maybe Madeline has that in her as, as well. Like, yeah. you know, with her initial standoff, he's like, how are you so carefree? Why do you not have the problems that I I have? Yeah. Um, so I know for me, sometimes when I'm talking about my own mental health issues, I've got one particular friend I don't really think has struggled too much or has been in too, as many dark places as what some of my other friends are. And I really struggle to talk to that person yeah. because I feel like I get the answers of someone who doesn't know the experience myself. Yeah. And I struggle to talk to that person. But yeah. then that could also be a help talking to someone that, you know, I guess hasn't had those issues yeah. as well. Whereas sometimes I you know, talk about my own mental health with someone that's also had mental health and sometimes we can bog each other down. Yeah. So a character like Theo, I guess, can work one of two, like two ways. It can be positive in the sense that, you know, you've got this fresh take and you can bounce it off them or it can be a little bit negative that they haven't experienced it themselves yeah. and can't help you because they've dug it out themselves. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think in this instance, it's it's the positive yeah, positive thing for her. I'd, I'd, and that's a that's a really good point because you're 100 percent right. Like even to the point there where I know when you talk about your own mental health, there's always that sort of in the back of your mind. Okay, so is this person going to resonate with me? Is this the right person that I should be speaking to about? It's either going to be like, oh, don't worry about that. I've never experienced that. Like just straight over the head type bit. And you're not mm. going to get much of anything. So, and that, I guess that's what's the fear of putting yourself out there because you're going to get that sort of response. You know, all, all the other ways that. Like, like you mentioned that, you know, it might be, oh, I'm down. Yeah, me too. All right, we'll just be down together. Misery loves company type bit. And, you know, like, you know, you gotta be, you got to be mindful of that too because that's looking after yourself and your own mental health. And, you know, is that the sort of 
environment and circle that I want to be you know, involved in. But then the way that they've written Theo into this is that, you know, he is this free-spirited bloke. He is this person that doesn't seem to, to have these sort of mental health um, issues or mental health points that Madeline has. But he, he's open-minded to say, okay, you know, look, I've, I've had a bit of experience with this. And, and like he comes across this, this non-judgmental um, yep. way. And I think they've painted him so well. And I think it's just, yeah, for sure. I think they, they were trying, from my perspective, I think they were trying to have this person not only as a support person to say, but how one person, like you might be a, as a player, you might have never had any uh, mental health experiences or uh, have never been going through or not going through that at the moment. But you might say, okay, well, look, you know, you might pick up that, okay, someone close to me is going through something, you know, how can I help then? And it just creates an awareness, not only, not to like the person that's going through any mental health sort of issues, but it's also to the fact that like, okay, so how can I be more open and responsive to this person? How can I like help yeah, or, you know, that's right. if, I, if I want to help, what is the best way that I can possibly can? And I think Theo is a really good example of how you can, going in non-judgmental and then just willing to have open conversations with that person. Yep. It's done really well. Yeah, he's really important to the story. Yeah. Great, 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 great character. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The next big, I guess, scene that really resonated with me, and it's a huge part of the story itself. So it's in chapter two. So one of the very early chapters, it is when Madeline meets her dark side. So it's a big part of the game. It gets to the point there where Madeline has a rest. She basically goes into, has a sleep, and she wakes up in this dream type world like parallel dimension type bit she's basically feels like she's in a dream and everything is reflective of that the environment is reflective of that the music amazing again reflects that and she comes across to a mirror and she sees basically it almost looks like a villain type polar opposite of her and this person escapes from the mirror and it basically forms this physical person of all, I guess, all the negativity and self-doubt that Madeline has in, in, within her. So this is effectively a physical being of all of her inner demons. And this is when yep. you like introduce her. She doesn't have a name. I don't think they mention a name in the story. I know people are classing her as like Badeline, you know, things like yeah, that. Yeah, she's often referred to as Badeline. Badeline, yeah. It's a huge part of it because it's like just this betrayer of just saying that she's coming to life and this dark side of Madeline and, and that she just comes in to introduce herself just saying, look, you know, I'm a part of her. And, and, and there's immediately the, the point there where you know, okay, it's not a huge surprise to Madeline. Like she knows this person. She knows quite well who this person is in the fact that like it's always lived inside of her. It's just, a, just become to this person now come to life. Um, yep. And I guess this is the this is the dark side of Madeline that will chase her throughout the game. And it's, what I find is really interesting as well, like even when she comes out towards the end of this level, is that it's this the bad Madeline is effectively is is chasing Madeline, but towards the end of the game, it's the complete opposite. So, you know, Madeline sort of gets to learn, I guess, how to not overcome it to the point, but manage it. She gets to a point there, I guess, in the game where she is trying to like just wipe her out effectively. You know, just trying to say, I don't like, I don't need you anymore. She thinks that's the answer, but it, you know, she soon works out to be so, okay, it's all about acknowledging that this is part of you and it's all about managing and working to, you know, with each other to know, okay, you are part of me. You know, I'm not going to, I can't erase you, but we can work together and I can manage, you know, my anxieties and, and the depression in, you know, a we healthy can, we way. Can- 
change my relationship with uh, my anxiety yeah, and depression exactly. and the bad feelings. Exactly. So it's um yeah, it's such a it's such a big part of the game and, and it's that relationship building between acknowledging that it's there and letting it control you and, and I guess that's the big metaphor towards the end of the game is just that these two beings work together and get to a point there where their relationship works quite well and they manage each other. So I think there's just a, a metaphor there in the fact that like it's all about like just managing. Yeah. It's actually my favorite part of the game. Yeah, is it? Um, cause I, is that in, that's in waterfalls at the end of waterfall. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. You've gone through that kind of boss battle. Yeah. So you've done all this chasing this epic, epic kind of dash boss battle. Yeah. Uh, and then you finally kind of meet up with her and then you do the whole, I guess what's called a confrontation, but this, you know, this scene where they, I guess, combine together. Yeah. Or work together. And I guess the anxieties disappear or whatever. But then for me, you get that. Uh, that moment where you get the double dash yeah yeah finally in the game yep and then for me it's like oh wow i've conquered my inner demons and now i'm more powerful for it yeah that's right or i'm that's working it. working together and and then you get that it's almost like you feel invincible after going through the whole game and struggling with some of these scenes yeah you had that initial movement yeah or function in earlier on in the game yeah. you would have been able to breeze through it and i think that's that's an awesome kind of take on it as well if i you know Maybe if I didn't have these inner pro- or these mental challenges or these problems at, at the start, mm. I would be able to breeze through this uh, these segments of the chapters. But I didn't have that. I've overcome it, yep. and now I have the tools that I, you know, yeah, I, I need. So. And, and it's interesting how like like you see Madeline evolve as a person from the very start, where she's so timid. You know, she she has these ambitions to climb the mountain. She's she's looking to to you know battle these inner demons just to get the strength to do so. And then like this mystical mountain, there's the old woman at the start and she pops up through the thing that you know, she's lived on this mountain forever effectively and she talks about throughout the game that you know the, the mountain is has these powers and will bring out what is really there and you know you may or may not be ready for the mountain and obviously the mountain's brought out this part of Madeline which she needs to, I guess, work with, overcome, acknowledge that it's there and work with it and you see her through the game you know, recognize it, thinking that, okay, it's the way I need to remove this from my life. And towards the end, you, you find that she is working to manage that side of her, but yeah. sort of how her confidence and how her attitude towards it, it does a complete flip. You know, towards the end, she's saying like, I need your help. We both need to do this together. And it's her, I guess, becoming the Theo type supportive person towards this, um, uh, the bad Madeline or the anxiety and the, the negativity that is, that's formed but yeah, so it's, it's a really powerful representation of those sort of thoughts and feelings coming to physical point and then where yep. they start from where they were from the start to, to where they are at the end. Yeah. It, it's funny that you bring up the old woman as well, because I saw, you know, Madeline or bad version of Dark Madeline. Mm. Um, like that's clearly her, her inner anxieties and her inner mental health issues yeah. or stuff that she's struggling to deal with. Yeah. And I always saw the, like the old woman as kind of the external pressure that yeah. maybe Madeline sees on her as well. And she also has the phone call um, with her mum, but it's not just her internal pressure, but the external pressures that are put on her. Yeah. I thought that, like, she's a really important character, the old woman, even though she only pops up, like, twice or, or something. Yeah, and even, like, she does pop up at the end, towards the end as well, just to say, like, there's, there's a point there where... It's, it works so well with the game with these highs and lows. So obviously you start at the bottom and you work your way up. And just when you think towards the end of the game, like you've got this, this dark side of Madeline just comes out and it's just a choice that Madeline makes to just to try and say like, 
I'm getting rid of you for my life. I think this is the right choice. Madeline, the dark side of Madeline basically says, you know, I see what you're trying to do, you know, trying to remove me from your life and rebels. And I guess it's a way that she she then falls. She falls to the point there where it's like highs and lows. So she, she drops down again and the old lady's there saying, okay, well, you know, you can give up and, you know, here's the secret door that, you know, you basically can go through and, and you start, you can go home. But if you want to keep pushing forward, then then that's that. So it's, it's almost like mm. she's there as though sort of like the hard truth like here's your ultimatum here's yep. the you know here's the, you think this is hard well like at the very start she's just like she's talking about like oh your bridge is falling down and she's like well you think that's hard you're not going to survive up there she's just like sort of gives you those those either hidden truths or she's just a, like that ultimatum to say okay well you're not up for it then off you go sort of thing but mm. if you are keep going keep pushing forward type being so it's almost like society as well. Like she kind of represents that. Like if you've got mental health issues that maybe at the start of the game, you're struggling with these, these anxieties and these issues mm. that maybe if she's an external character that maybe society doesn't know how to deal with it and they're just going to throw you and write you off. Yeah. Whereas later in the game, she has the tools and then, you know, like it's almost like she's changed her mindset. Well, yes, it is difficult. Here's the, here's the easy way out. Yeah. Or you can keep going. Yeah. Whereas before when she had, I guess, was struggling with her issues, there was no, you can keep going, like just you're going to struggle. And yeah. maybe that's, maybe the old woman was always like that. Yeah. Just it was Madeline's mindset that's changed yeah. that actually opens her up to like, oh, okay, she, maybe she, well, she's given me ultimatum to go, but she's also said I can keep pushing. Whereas before earlier in the game, she didn't do that. She no. didn't encourage me at all. Yeah, she's that's putting right. me down. Maybe she wasn't doing that. And that was just Madeline's mindset that made her see that that was how she was coming off as. Yeah. And I've, and just like you said, I feel that towards, like, even from the start to towards the end, when she's, like, just at that low point there where she's just basically fallen and she's like, oh, well, look, you know, what was it all sort of worth for? Like, the old lady pops up and you can find that the old lady is barracking for her. She's like, look, mm. you've come so far. Here's the door. I mean, like, you can go home, whatever. But when Madeline makes up her mind to say, no, I want to listen to you, I'm going to keep pushing forward, the old lady steps up and says, look, you remind me of you when you were young and, you know, keep going and push forward. I think, like, there's definitely that relationship where she grows on her. And I think at the start, you're just like, oh, this old lady, but definitely grows. And she's a good character for the game. Just moving on or segueing into uh, Madeline having, I guess, the techniques or tools that she didn't have and that she learns throughout the game. The third point there, and this is probably one of the biggest, one of, there's so many, one of um, <laughs> the, the biggest points in the game that I just thought this game is like, it was next level, but this is this game is when they really thought about it. Like they really put the time in here. They're going to areas now where, yeah, it's not. It's dicey to the point there where you've got to do it right. If you don't do it right, then it's it's not going to be it's not going to be good. Yeah. It's chapter four. It's in the Golden Ridge, and it's the, it's when Madeline has the panic attack. Mm. To paint the picture here, and it's one of the most I find it's one of the most powerful scenes in the game. Is yep. that at the start of this level, you've gotten to a point of the the mountain where you've there's a gap, there's a gondola there. You're about to get on the gondola, and Theo does his thing, and he drops off a mountain and he catches up with you as you're going up the gondola the gondola then breaks down and immediately 
Madeline goes into having the, these sort of anxiety feelings straight away, just for the fact yep. that it's they're up there in the middle of in the middle of the sky in this gondola, and it's just broken down. And as soon as she starts having these feelings of anxiety, bang! There goes the the scene. The scene starts turning dark. There goes the music. Just slowly tones of those feelings of the anxiety where your adrenaline is, is running, getting more and more. But then the bad Madeline pops up straight away. So it's like. Straight away, the bad Madeline has got this representation that as soon as you start feeling these feelings, you know, whether it's, you know, this, this anxiety or the self-doubt, this figure is there. Whether you can see it or you feel it, it's there. And it's just like, it just takes over like that. Yep. So Theo, I guess at this point in time, can see that Madeline is having this these anxiety. And, and it soon turns out, like, Theo starts talking to Madeline, making sure that, you know, she's okay. Madeline starts working herself up, up and more and more, as you do if you're in that position, with having anxiety to a point there where she has a panic attack. And Theo steps in, can see that she's having this panic attack, and starts talking about a technique that his grandfather taught him when feeling stressed and having these anxiety feelings. And it's just about this technique of picturing this feather. And the feather is moving up and it's moving down within the air and it's going within your breathing rhythms. And the way that this game is able to basically, Theo talking through to Madeline, just picture this feather. Now the feather is going up and down with your air movements. And the way that this game just then just pitches this one feather and you are literally just using your analog stick to change with your breathing patterns just to this one feather and to the point there where you're just flying up and down until your breathing patterns come straight down and the anxiety starts to release itself and Madeline becomes back to how she was. And she moves through the, the panic attack. And then the bad Madeline disappears and the gondola, you know, works. And then they get up to the top of the mountain and Madeline's just like, oh, thank you so much, you know, for helping me with learn this technique. And like she says, one of the things that she says to Theo is that, did you think we we're gonna make it? And Theo goes, "No, nah, I thought we were fucking. You know, I thought we were. I thought we were out. <laughs> and then, and then, so she like just this point there where like he, he thought you know they were gone, but like it's just such a powerful scene where like just everything that they did, the technique, the way that they worked it, the sound, the imagery, like they captured it so well when it comes to a panic attack because mm. it can happen so quickly. For someone that's had a panic attack, it's just one of those points there where like it does, you, it's something that happens, there's a trigger and you have like this overwhelming feeling of anxiousness and anxiety. But the fact that like your body goes into a shock, like it's, if you go through anxiety, it's like, okay, something happens where there's a trigger and then you start feeling it straight away. But to, to be pushed to that far, it's either something has happened, there's a massive trigger that has just injected this adrenaline into your body that's gone beyond, I guess, just your, your standard anxiety. Or when you're just in that point there where the anxiety feelings just are just with you. And then they get to the point there where you, you cannot release them for whatever reason and you just work yourself up, you get more stressed and because you have you know, you can't get rid of these anxiety feelings, and then you start having, you know, this panic attack. And the way that yep. they've way that they've captured how it feels for someone that just to play it, just to go, Whoa, this is like intense. I need to listen, I need to calm down, I need to, to go through this and the, the sound and the imagery, it's it's powerful. Yeah, and, it's, and it's so out of the blue as well and that's kind of what it can be too yeah absolutely and what you're saying before there was like a moment that could trigger it which in this case is the gondola breaking mm. down but in in real life it 
can be anything and it can't be like a specific moment can it but it can just be like a collection of moments band together yeah. and that's when it just com- comes on like if you're in a crowded room or something it might not just be like you know something drops or something or so, you know you're it, it may just be this kind of build up of being in, in a situation and then it kind of sits it's kind of can just sit in your chest and it feels like you can't breathe and you just have to just have to leave like i've had it where i've just had to i've been out in public and i've had to go oh shit this is happening i have to remove myself from this exact situation i can be out with my wife and her friends at like a a bar when we're drinking and then all of a sudden i'll be i'll not feel Mm. well and um i physically like find that i have to i have to get up and leave and i had to get up and leave on my own and kind of walk it off um because and i I can't and it sucks because you can't pinpoint what it is that just made that happen to you that's right so it it can be a trigger like oh shit this specific thing Mm. happened or it can just be this culmination of oh something or anything and then and then bam it's on you and it's like well, how do I deal with it? So it feels, it's just like, I don't know. It feels like you're, um, what does it feel? It just feels like it's sitting there on, in you. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it was, it was something, something happened. It was like, I was just at work and something happened and it was just this, like this massive wave just hit me. Like it was like a real out of body experience where my body was like in a fight or flight mode, but it just went into this adrenaline, just bang. And so like, it was literally like one of those points there where there was no build up. It was just go straight away. And cause I'd never felt it before. Like I just sat down. That's all I could do, but I was paralyzed. I was absolutely paralyzed. Mm. And all I could do was just try and breathe. And I think this is one of these things where it's just like breathing is so powerful. It's the only thing that you can try and control at that point in time. And I think this scene captures that so well. And I think the fact that you've got Theo, who again, they create this like the perfect type friend to be in the environment of this this type of person going through the anxiety. Mm. How best to handle this? And the fact that he's like, okay, well, look, I recognize these signs. You know, I've been taught a technique. Let's give it a go. And the breathing technique. And the fact that she picks up on that and she then uses that later on in the game as well. She goes through and, and she almost has a panic attack later on in the game, but she recognizes it. So previously when she's on the gondola, it just happens and she doesn't know what yep. to do and she's completely paralyzed. And it's it's Theo that walks her through. Now, the next time it happens, Theo's not there and then she can feel it coming on. Just like you were talking about, like, okay, like it's coming on and she's yep. recognizing it. Which is like one of the huge things if you can do it. So you've recognized it and then she starts implementing techniques and then she, she does get better. And then to the point there where I think it's the bad Madeline, she can see that, hey, you're learning this technique and then she kicks in the gear. So it's almost like they fight the fight, you know, the anxiety then Fighting starts, again. okay, yeah. you're trying to rebel this and I'm pushing harder and it's that tug of war. Tug of war. Bit. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's that's really interesting to me too because I'd imagine that's, sometimes that, that must be how it is. Like what I find with mental health and whether it's depression or anxiety is that someone comes to you whether you, you sit with someone and you say okay there's there's so many techniques that you could use to help you know your own mental health here's the list and there's so many things and you'd be like okay no worries and it is trial and error so there's these yep. things you try it does it work no not for me you try this you try that and you just keep doing it and i guess the big thing there is that just trying to find something that works for you and everything you know there'd be some things that work for someone that doesn't work for the other person but the key takeaway that i've sort of learned from that as well is that you can't be discouraged if something doesn't work. 
You've got to yeah. recognize it. This doesn't work for me, but there's still other things there. Whether it's a lot of people take mindfulness, for example. So a lot of people do arts and craft or they do drawing or something like that. And that's a huge relief for them because they're putting their mindset somewhere else. And I know like yep. I sort of relied on that too heavily with work, for example. So like I'd be like, I would be work better if I'm preoccupied. Look over here so you don't have to look over here. Yeah, that's um, right. But yeah, so like I just found that uh, scene super powerful but the way that they did it was spot on i think and you there's so many elements in there that you've got to take control so it's like the story's got to be right the character's got to be right the the sound you know the the visual effects everything sort of just worked really well together for that and i think for anyone that picks up the game and plays it i think that's that's really going to be a takeaway scene that you know they'll continue to remember and I'm hoping that, you know, someone that plays it, even though <laughs> if they don't, even they've never like had a panic attack or never like very rarely have anxiety or whatsoever, but may know someone that might be saying like, like this is happening to you. First thing is let's work on breathing. If that's something we can focus on there and just to give some awareness because it's so important. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Is there any sort of scenes that you want to have a chat about that sort of stood out to you? I've already talked, yeah, I guess I've talked about overcoming uh, battle line and joining together and, and the first, after the, the boss battle in Waterfalls. Yep. Um, I love that moment. Of course, the panic attack as mm. well. <sighs> I can't remember if it's uh, towards the end of the game or if it's in the in the B-sides or not, where you pick up the wall dash. Okay. It's hard to... Maybe it's in the B-sides. It must maybe be you in haven't, the B-sides because I think... Maybe you haven't no, got that... No, no, I haven't got that far. Far yet. No. Okay. Maybe, mm, interesting. How much? Uh, I won't talk. Yeah, I don't know if I'll talk about it then. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like, like you said, the more you get into this game, the more that you develop as a character, and your you know mechanics will do that as well. Just like when you start by yourself, you can do you learn how to do the dash. When you work together, you've got the double dash. It must move on from there as well. So, um, and it, and it's weird for it to move on there um, outside of the main story, mm. in inside the B sides, yep. and to learn a a new skill so far into the game. And then to learn another skill in the seasides as well, it's kind of like okay, what, how? It just it seems like it it's per, it per, fits perfectly with the game. It's kind of like yeah, I've climbed mountain, I've overcome it, but the B sides and seasides, these are kind of all these other obstacles that all of a sudden are in my life now, yeah. which are even much harder than what the mountain was before. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you pick up a new skill that you didn't think you needed because you'd already finished what your what your goal yeah. was. Um, but then all of a sudden this new skill pops up and it's like wow, okay. Now I can do something else yeah. and now I can overcome another challenge that I didn't know I had. And that's kind of what I kind of love about the B-sides and the C-sides. And I like the fact that like even after the game, like when you're looking at those, the crystals as well, like you return to the mountain a year later and it's almost like you want to see how much you've grown. And like you as the player too, you know, you want to see, okay, like, you know, this is a year later, you've gone through that full experience, like where we're at. And it's good to know that even though you finish the game, the, the main story mode, that there is more to the game, that there's those little bits to say, okay, look, it's not just levels. There is other things in here that you will find, whether it's mechanics, you know, whether it's other story, little, you know, nods and things like that. I think that's mm. for someone that's not a perfectionist. That's sort of like what drove me through the game was like just everything in relation to the story mode. The game was amazing, but there was times where I was just like so frustrated. Really was the story that sort of drove me through. Like I was just at a point there where like, no, yep. no, I'm too heavily invested in Madeline. I need to get to the peak. I'm just going to just keep running through it and I'll find a way. But yeah, that's motivating. It makes me want to go back and and um, and do the B sides, do the C sides, and and I will. I just need to that one level. <laughs> one level. I, I don't want to YouTube it, so. Um, but but I'll, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll I'll work through it. And the thing I love about it, what you said before about the um 
the panic attack kind of, you get an idea of what the game's trying to do okay the, the celeste the mountain is uh you know a metaphor mm. here and Battleline is your inner demons and all that stuff, but it's only when they have that panic attack scene where I feel like they put a, a stick in the ground and go, and then all of a sudden, like it made me, I, I get what they're doing here, it's cool, but it made me go, oh wow, holy shit, this is gone to another yeah. level. Like for me, it's like, oh wow, it's really, man, they're really tackling some stuff here. There's not many games like it. The topic is still taboo to so many people. It takes an indie game like this to say, you know, look, let's just go for it, but let's do it right. And let's invest the time and, and learn about how to do this in the most impactful, respectful way of doing it. And, you know, and they did it. And I think that is the one scene, like you mentioned, that they just said, let's take it to the next level. Let's show yeah. this game. Set it up a notch. Is, we're not just tiptoeing on this subject. We are here bringing awareness to this. And if we can put a big flag in this to say, this is a big part of the game. We want this to impact people in this subject. This is the scene. This is the scene that they did it in, among many of the other scenes. But this is this is the point there where you just realise, okay, wow, they've they're one hundred percent invested in this. They're all in. And I love that you don't get to the top of the mountain all of a sudden. You know, uh, at some point in the game, battle line disappears mm. or whatever. I love that they address that you have to work with that part of your inner demons or anxieties. Yeah. And then you get the uh, the extra ability because they could have done it a completely different way. They could have wrote it where you get to the top of the mountain, all of a sudden she's not there anymore. She's disappeared, yeah. and she's you know all of a sudden she's just vanished. But having to like turn the mindset of the your, those anxieties around and work together, I thought that was brilliant as and well. And just on that, like I'm glad you mentioned that too because when you're looking at mental health, it is a marathon. Like when you, when you the point there where you go, okay, you recognise that something is not right and that's a huge step so like you got to acknowledge that when you need help you need help you know whether it's a physical injury you've broken your leg you go see someone to get help it's the same thing with mental health mental illnesses you, you need help you, you go seek professional help but knowing that you know okay look i need help is a huge step and it needs to be acknowledged that that is a huge step but to the point there where it needs to be understood that it's something that's not going to flick off like okay so for me when i went and started seeking professional help I had the mentality of I can't live like this anymore. I need this gone quick, and I need this. I need to. Yep. I need to go to the doctor. I need to do what I need to do. I need to do my three or four sessions with a you know psychologist, and then I'm done. And yep. and I had that mentality, and like I soon got the realization that it's not like that. And this is what this game has done so well is that they haven't just ridden her off. It's not one of those things where. I'm going to climb this mountain and it's going to disappear. And for the rest of my life, you know, mm. I'm good because she's disappeared and I'm gone. And I think they address that as well. They have that like halfway through the game towards the end of the game to say, okay, like if you're having that mentality where you think you do these things, you get to this point and this, these thoughts and feelings disappear, it's not. It's all about managing it. So it's like, okay, recognizing yeah. it's there. But then knowing, going, okay, so I understand that I have anxiety or depression and depression come from the anxiety. How do I manage this so that I can live day by day and use my techniques and, and know that I'm looking after myself and this is how I manage my well-being? And I think that's where this game is so powerful because they recognize that. They don't just make it disappear. They say, look, you can't make it disappear. Like, you've got to manage it. And that's what she does. She works mm. together with it. She recognizes it. They work together. And they both, through the techniques and through to the end, where they just say, look, you are you, I am me, and let's let's have a different viewpoint to this. It's really powerful. So and I think that's important. Yep. And it's funny because I kind of identify with that as well, um, about climbing the mountain and, and, and kind of 
not disappearing and then that's the solution because for me personally, like, um, you know, I got promoted at work. I got married. Um, we brought our house all in the last, I guess, year and a half. And um, my life is in an awesome position right now, but why do I feel down? Why do I not want to go out? Why do I feel antisocial? Why do I get anxious when I'm around big crowds sometimes? Like, why do I still have those yeah. feelings? Like, it's uh, on, the, on the outside, on the surface, it looks like everything's pretty cool. And why don't I feel yeah. good? You know what I mean, and I think that's like it, that's handled well in the game because of because of that, like you said, the non disappearing yeah. part. Yeah, absolutely. It is is great. So it doesn't, uh, I guess, cheapen it. It doesn't cheapen mental health by going, oh look, you did this and you cha- did yeah. this challenge and you overcome yeah. it. Bam, you're yeah. fixed. Like, like I've said before, I've had a friend that I don't think has really went through any of these issues before, and I don't really um, use as a soundboard because I don't think that he can help me, and that's not his fault. But, you know, I always get the same answers like, oh, maybe you should start getting back into sport or get it fitter or why don't you get a new job? Or uh, It's always these these little markers mm. that will fix me. It's like, I don't think you get it, man, like the the mindset. And it's not their fault. Um, I understand that they're trying to help, but it's not always like a, a, a checkbox or a, or a thing to no, reach that's that right. will just fix you all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah, so. yeah. no, look, I, that definitely resonates with me as well. Some people you just sort of resonate with that have either gone through it and some people have it. And like you said, that it's not their fault. That's that's the case. Mm. It's just the fact that, you know, they, they're just trying to do their best. But I like games like this that, that bring awareness to it. And it's something that mental health, it just doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't, mm. You could be, you know, you, like you've seen the stories. Everyone, there's, everyone, is, everyone gets affected. You know, more people than, than not. I worry about the people that, that are affected that don't speak up because that's the concern. The concern is that there are people out there that they live their day with this big mask on that, you know, they've got to be someone I put on a face and, you know, they're not talking about it. Coming from my position, like I've, I've had friends that have only just recently started talking about their own mental health and whether that's because in the last couple of years I've been more open about it and now there's they see oh, someone else is talking about it so it's becoming less taboo, it's becoming more open. But I just, you have to, you have to talk. And that's why I do not discourage or do not downplay the fact that the biggest step is having conversations because the conversations yep. is so powerful. And like I've spoken on previous episodes about this and I've spoken to Simon about this is just that putting it out there, it just creates this massive weight off your shoulders and just putting it out there mm. to someone that you trust or you know seeking professional help or just just having a conversation just to say, I'm feeling like this and I've been holding this in real tight for so long because I just thought that there's no other choice. I can't speak to anyone or, you know, there's nothing that you can do. But just having those conversations, starting it, it immediately has has a positive impact on your own well-being. And then yep. that's, that's step one, just having conversations and then the ball will roll from there. But just cracking it just cracking it open and just start having those conversations yep and just keep it going yep for sure and hopefully any kind of gamer that has some of these um challenges that they're going through at the time um can see celeste as a game of like uh, inspiration to to speak up just leading on to that point there and i guess closing up the episode even is just that looking at when matt thorson did the speech at the the games awards in 2018 and he was respectful all the way through, even up to that point there. And um, I've got to hear what he said, and I'll just bring this in. Yeah, awesome. Matt did a speech. He says, if Celeste has helped you come to terms with mental illness, 
I just want to say that you deserve credit for that. The change came from inside of you and you're capable of a lot more. And I think that like that is such a powerful speech. From the start to the finish, like he and the team there have just been so respectful for this game, even to the point there where like so many awards they have won and there's just this connection that players have had to this game. Not only just as this amazing, challenging platforming game, but just the fact that someone has put up their hands and did such a great job at bringing awareness and bringing the conversation up about mental health and has done it so well I just think that cannot be ignored and, and um, can't wait to see what they do in the future. It's an amazing game for any sort of player. So like on a recommendation side of thing, like who should play this? From, from my perspective, everyone should play that. So like everyone should play yep. it. I know people play certain games. I know people like even myself, time poor and kids. I'm a big Nintendo fan. So I love to go into games that can Mario Kart where I can get in there, play half an hour, an hour and I can get out. So like games like Red Dead Redemption where they're massive, they're massive time sinks and that. Not really for me. It might be for someone else, but this is yep. just one of those games where I just think it will resonate with anyone. If you're not attached to the story, then it's just everything else about this game. I think there'll be some element in this game that you will just fall in love with. I think I think you'd remove the story here, and it would still yep. be a great game. Absolutely. Of course, the story and the, the sum of all its parts with the soundtrack, the pixel art, um, the platforming, it, that's what yep. makes it so brilliant and like a yep. masterpiece. But you remove the story here, and it's still... A great a great yeah. platformer and i think that's kind of underrated in, in its discussion because the stories are getting a lot of the um the accolades but as far as a platformer you look at things like super meat boy that rinse repeat try i feel like meat boy is too floaty as a platformer then you kind of look at even like your old mario brothers and you get that slip and slide aspect to it celeste doesn't have that the platforming is something kind of i feel like it's in between it feels ap- like so yeah so tight and people that appreciate platforming games should absolutely 100% get onto it as well. Well, we might wind it up on that one there. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You are the one person I really wanted to get on to talk about this podcast. <laughs> I know you're the big fan. I know it was your game of the year for 2018. It was my game of the year for 2018. I think it'll always just have a place with me in sort of my gaming journey and experiences. I'm super happy to get the physical game to put on my shelf yep. coming on and obviously sharing a little bit about your experiences and your story as well and um obviously what celeste resonated with you and your experiences there so yeah thank you so much mate no worries man thanks for having me it's really good to uh talk about celeste at any 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 time i can so um there you go celeste is a, a dane and buddy approved game absolutely absolutely right stamp of approval beautiful mate if people want to find you on the socials where can they find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at BuddyWatson12, and that's pretty much it. I deleted my Facebook once again. It, it's for a mental health thing. You check using your phone too much, too much notifications, getting caught up in other people's drama, or, or even just seeing depressing things get shared. I know we spoke about them before the episode. You know, there's some things I just don't want need in my life to get me down. Yeah. That there are other negative things, so I try to focus on the things that I want in my life. So Twitter's the place for that. Yeah, come find me there. Also do a podcast every uh, fortnight yeah, um, called Dash Culture with my uh, good friend Dash, and we talk about pop culture, movies, music, uh, uh, but predominantly gaming. Yeah, fantastic. Guys, go follow them there. Thank you so much again, mate. Appreciate your time, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Will do. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Celeste Game of the Year. <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs>
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this side note episode. As a reminder, if you or someone you know may be experiencing signs of mental illness, please know that there is help available and you are not alone. I will list a number of these support organisations in the description area of this podcast episode. I also wanted to give a massive thank you shout out to Celeste's own music composer and producer, Lena Rain, for allowing me to use her Celeste soundtracks in this episode of Pushing Through Blue. Guys, if you have yet to listen to Lena's music, please do yourself a favour and go check it out. Lena's also just released her latest soundtrack, The Celeste Piano Collection. I'll list in the description section of this episode where you can find Lena on the socials along with her music. Also guys, if you could take a moment to rate, leave a positive review and subscribe to this podcast, it really does go a long way in helping others find the podcast and helping share the important messages being told by our guests. Pushing Through Blue can also be found across most socials, so please go give us a follow. And while you're there, let us know your thoughts and feedback on the podcast episodes. The Pushing Through Blue podcast can be found across most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Also, don't forget to go share some love to my guest this week, Mr. Buddy Watson. Buddy's details can be found in the description section of this podcast episode. Until next time, guys, much love, take care of yourself.